Andy does love some Andy. It's like you're inside of my head. <laughs> what is your fascination with Peterson? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Dear future me, <laughs> don't go to the courthouse. The Katie's moral a- of the story is don't leave your martial arts equipment and your other coat in a parallel dimension. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. <laughs> I'm Andy and I like every comic that's ever been made. I would not go to Jonathan Frake's booth because I would get space herpes. And now your hosts... Luke Matthews. Because you can't put Superman in a universe with other superheroes and actually have anything meaningful happen. And B. One, there's some awesomeness going on. Two, it's hard to understand exactly what awesomeness is going on, how and where. And three, as I have previously mentioned, this panel not only breaks the fourth wall, but then just kind of sits there teabagging it. And Joel Simon. I read Blackest Night was pretty good, so I read Brightest Day, and it was a whole trade paperback of nothing. We are squirrels that sometimes have armor and also swords and shields, etc. Wow. Squirrels? Yes. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I think that's the first time squirrels were ever introduced into a song. I doubt that. How many squirrel songs do you know of, sir? 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 If I could remember the beginning of... I don't know of any. At the beginning of the Jonathan Colton First of May song, there is discussion with squirrels. Okay. Who is this Colton guy? You don't know who Jonathan Colton is? He needs to be ended. He's like nerd. He's a nerd singer. Like nerd band. No, when everybody squeeze about it packs about going to concerts and whatnot, I go home. Jonathan Colton did the uh, Still Alive song from Portal. Oh, okay. What's going on, Internet? Sorry. Uh-huh. That's from a Comedy another button. podcast. Yeah, there you go. Hey, brap, brap. <laughs> What's going on, Brian Internet? Brian Altano. Yes. Um, I got a story. Really? No, that's one of the, that's oh, with the other yeah. guy. Oh. Max. It's Max Scoville, yeah. <laughs> go easy on me today, okay? This is <laughs> not getting any better. <laughs> He's exposing your soft underbelly, sir. Yeah, exactly, for massive damage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Welcome, everybody, to episode 28 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I, for some reason, am hosting this episode. I am Luke Matthews, and I am joined by N.B. Hello. And Joel Simon. Heidi-ho, Podcast Rangers. (laughs) Uh, This episode, we are Andy Free. Uh, Andy... um, uh, there were there were some there was some shit going down in downtown Seattle because stupid people were breaking windows and uh, he freaked out because it was within a mile and a half of his house so After he decided rights. not to come not to come to the podcast today May Day um, raise up proletariat yeah it's, it's first of May bunch First of May. retards doing <laughs> stupid shit is what it is so Never Phoenix Jones Seattle. was accused of pepper spraying people <laughs> and then he all caps tweeted about how that was untrue. That's amazing. where was Phoenix when we needed him? You know, people? he was down there. He was down there. Okay. He was like chilling on the periphery. Okay, because well, because there's nothing that Phoenix Jones can do when there's giant armies of cops, at, actual riot cops in the way. Yeah, like he's 
like when there's actual riot cops, he just stands there and gets filmed by his film crew <laughs> and doesn't actually do it. Him and the, what, the Rain City, whatever the, the, the fuck The Rain are. City superheroes. There's several of them. There's oh, at yeah. least two dudes in there. I think, honestly, that Phoenix Jones's wife has the most coherent thing because at least she's like running a campaign to end domestic abuse. That's sure. like a thing. It's yes. coherent. Hmm. It's actually fighting crime in a coherent way as opposed to why, running around and occasionally pepper spraying. Why Rain City, though? Because I mean, that's Seattle. Seattle. It, Emerald City, right? We're the Emerald also City. Rain City. Yeah, exactly. There's, I mean, the Emerald. Co- okay. Anyways, but this is kind of comic book related. Have so you guys rat seen city. The, the Rat City? Yeah, rat City Roller Girls. Oh. I think Rat oh, yeah, City is yeah, yeah. technically yeah. Everett, though, isn't it? Possibly. I okay. think so. Anyway, uh, anyway, comic book related. There's a viral campaign for the new Batman movie. Have you guys seen this? A viral campaign? No, uh, I have no. not okay. seen this. Basically, it's a police report that says uh, Batman is is one of these vigilantes and you need to get him. And in order to do that, you need need to take photos of graffiti symbols around the city. And so they have them all over the place. And huh. <clears throat> kind of reminds me of Phoenix Jones. I don't know how much is related, but it's pretty fucking ridiculous. I think viral has, has gone... Jump the shark. Has it gone viral? It's not... Yeah. That's It's yeah, not it viral is. anymore because people... No. The problem with it now is that once the concept of viral videos and viral advertising like got into the minds of ad agencies and, mm-hmm. and PR people, they start losing the point, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they'll like make a video and then they'll send it to media outlets to have posted on their website. That, yeah. that is not a viral video. Yeah, and they're nope. like, oh, look at our new viral video. Yeah, that's w- not a viral video. And maybe, and maybe that's the thing about it is that this was, it was supposed to be a police report, but there was no um, no date on it. Right, uh-huh. and then at the bottom it says Warner Brothers um, controls all the all the pictures that you send in about this, and you know it's there's legally they have all rights of uh-huh. the cell phone pictures. So like they have legal rights to this viral community based experience. Yeah. Yes, okay. for they have legal rights for to Gotham City policemen pictures of graffiti that are probably illegal in the first place. Awesome, that's yeah. not complicated. Good job, yeah. jackasses. Yeah, they <laughs> not. So in other news, I went down to Stumptown Comics Fest last weekend. Um, it was really fun. I was uh, I was actually surprised because so from what the, my my I've never been before, and my history in hearing about Stumptown Comics Fest was that it started nine years ago, and it was really really tiny when it started, and then it kind of skyrocketed a little bit and got really big because there's a huge indie creator community in the Portland area. Um. And so it's not really a, a convention. It's a fest. It's like a festival. Uh, it's not really. I mean, Is it a fest in the same way that like TCAF is a like week-long event with a weekend of actual booths? No. Okay. No, this is, this, is a, this is basically a convention. They call it Comics Fest. I, I got the impression that in the past there was a more widespread thing. Like, uh, I feel like they would have... They, I, I don't know the history of the show very well, so I'm probably not representing it the way it should be, but... Um, uh, it, it seems like they they they're trying to add some more of that stuff in because, for example, one of the things that we did while we were down there was uh, there was a guy that was running tours to um, a couple of like a bunch of art shows, like in the Portland Art Walk, sure, um, which ended with a um, a show. Uh, the the last one was actually the most interesting to me because that's what we were looking for was all original pages from a comic book called Memorial by Chris Robertson. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really cool. Uh, some of the arts, most of the art stuff that they had before that wasn't um, 
wasn't really as comic book related as I expected it to be, but it was pretty cool. There's a there was a shop that we went in down into down there that I can't remember the name of for the life of me. But they had an entire exhibit of Bruce Lee uh, themed art and all of the proceeds from the art show and the sales of the art show were going to go to the Bruce Lee Foundation. Um, And that's really fucking cool art in there. Um, But the show itself was basically a giant artist's alley. That's awesome. It was probably like the number of tables were probably roughly equivalent to the number of artists alley tables that were at Emerald city. Sure. So you take the artists alley out of that show and put it into its own thing. That's basically what you've got. That's and about it, the size of eight boys. Yeah. And it ran the gamut from, um, some of the more high profile creators that were there were like, like Brian hurt. The artist from sure. six gun was there. Greg Rucka, um, Brian Michael Bendis ran a, a panel on the first day. Um, uh, the guys that do Witch Doctor, you know, some 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 fairly like the top end, quote unquote, indie stuff or creator owned stuff, mm-hmm. all the way down to dudes who were you know printing quarter size, uh, you know, quarter page size uh, zines and stapling them yeah. together themselves, um, and that stuff ranged in quality from interestingly cool indie stuff to what the fuck are you doing <laughs> like and, the, and that is the beauty of the, yeah. the indie comics world <laughs> yeah uh but it, no it was really cool and i i always like hanging out in portland anyway i love that city a lot and uh the show itself was actually really cool i probably wouldn't go for two days in the future it's a it's it's small enough that you could pretty much see whatever you need to see in one day um it was and spend your other day at Edgefield drinking. Yes. Oh, and the the only other piece of news that I wanted to bring up before we talk about what we're reading is uh, there's a big thing today that uh, Mark Wade finally launched Thrillbent.com. Huh? It was it's his uh, the first in his digital comics initiatives, uh-huh. um, and it seems pretty cool actually. They they released two comics. One of them is called Luther, and the other one is called uh, Insufferable. Uh, Insufferable seems to be set in the same like genre and world as Irredeemable and um, uh, Incorruptible. Okay, and it's it's interesting. The, the comics, the way they're formatted, is actually really cool. They seem fairly iPad friendly, hmm. like the the aspect ratio of them because they're not like full they're not normal a comics size. pages. They're they're very online focused and probably tablet focused. Yeah. yeah. And the way that they're designed are, is actually pretty cool because sometimes you'll go to a... Um, he doesn't do a whole lot of extra bullshit like a lot of the other digital comics creators try and do. Like, they don't. he doesn't put any music. No. There's no motion comics you crap. I'm like, all about that. Just keep them comics. Yes. But what he does, the enhancements that they do, which are really cool, is controlling how and when individual panels will appear so that they can control like reveals oh interesting so for example one of the better ones was there's a a single page that is split into four vertical panels Mm -hmm. and when you first go to that page you only have the left hand panel and then when you click on it the the next panel appears and then when you click again the next panel appears and the first panel vanishes so you kind of get this like flow across the page as you're revealing stuff on that page and that kind of stuff i thought was really cool that's like that's one of the better things that they've done as far as like designed for digital comics there was some digital comic that i read and i feel like i don't know i feel like maybe some listener sent it my way um that was sort of a 
gothy murdery story somebody or there's room was the title but it was a similar thing as like the main screen is this room and as you click on artifacts different stories come up and i hmm. i feel like it wasn't quite as fully realized as what you're talking about with panel reveals yeah. but similar <coughs> similar effective use of actually stuff. i know that that would help me out quite a bit if i had like a panel guide because I know a lot yeah. of a lot of the stuff that try to do something really strange with it, like Bendis does this a lot, where he'll turn the whole story sideways, and you can't yeah. exactly figure out okay, which way is the sequence. Sometimes in Powers, I have a hard time figuring out whether yes. I'm supposed to be reading That's all the way across the page exactly. or just the especially thing. when it's the two page spreads. Like sometimes, yes. like you can't tell if you're supposed to read one page then the other or it's, go all yep. the way across. You go all the way across, and sometimes it doesn't really matter because there is the whole conversation. You could read right. it either it's way. Yeah. Works. It's kind of weird. Yeah, um, yeah. The, Ed, go ahead. No, oh, the pa- so this panel guide would be great. You know? So uh, two things. One, I think it really worked in this one, and it, it's interesting because they did. He did a really, excuse me, did a really smart thing with the beginning of Insufferable, where um, the first panel is a full page panel of basically it's like a uh, staticky like uh, image through like a video camera. Right, mm-hmm. and you hear like this, bzz, bzz, and somebody's trying to talk, and you can't see. And then when you click to the next panel, it clears up the image, and then the guy who's in the camera is like, "Oh, there you are." So it's like it's things that wouldn't, I don't think, would work necessarily in normal comics, mm-hmm. where it worked because the transition on the actual screen went from fuzzy to clear. Mm-hmm. Instead of turning a page and seeing a completely different image, does that now, make is sense? This in, it does. Is this done in audio or just in word? No, bubbles? it's just in. It's just there's no audio at all. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It is really cool. Yeah. Um, so all of the comics on Thrillbent are, are viewable for free. So I'm not sure what the revenue stream is for it. I, I, I haven't looked deep enough into it to figure out like what they're how selling they or monetize it? how are they monetizing it. But, I mean, the Insufferable is being drawn by Peter Krauss, who's the guy that drew uh, Irredeemable for a long time. So okay. it's, uh, and Luther looks, I haven't read Luther yet, but the art looks pretty good. So, and it's Mark Wade. He's been doing comics for, you know, 20 years and 25 years. And it's, mm. and he's one of the better creators out there. So yeah. he's come um, out with some amazing stuff too. Yeah. So. Uh, another thing that that um, is kind of in digital media is with Alien, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Aliens, Avengers versus X Men. Right? I know you're not too popular on it, but they have some uh. some kind of QR code in it. And when you're reading the book, if you use your cell phone or whatever, yeah, reader, it's the Marvel Infinite Comics uh. thing. Yeah, it yeah. brings it brings out how that page was created. Yeah. Oh. So it, it oh, shows it shows how they. How they I want it. a smartphone, and I want to do that. Yeah, hmm. so it, it's kind of cool. It gives you the it's kind of gives you the background yeah. to it. I'm not sure. So here's the thing that I that I now you can have you done this? Have you actually viewed? I, I've the heard thing? about it. Okay, I haven't done it. So one of the things I've heard about it, I haven't done it either because I haven't bought any of the AVX stuff. Yes, is that in order to see these special features, you actually have to, it's like an augmented reality mm-hmm. thing where if you have an iPad or something, you actually have to like hold it over the book and the QR code needs to be visible. Mm-hmm. That I don't like because I don't want to have to set the book a on a pain. table and like hold it. What I would like is to take a smart device and be able to scan that QR code and then just have this extra content to read on my device. Yeah. Like, that would be fine. So um, I guess it's not a, a QR. It's more AR. You know, it's yeah, augmented yeah, yeah. reality. So my actually horrible see how dystopian the future is coming to pass. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not um, already here. 
anyways. Increasingly. It's something that I've also been saying on Twitter. That This brings me to a thought that I've been saying on Twitter and Facebook for the last couple of days because the the Avengers movie releases in a few days. Yeah. And Oops. and th- that is bringing up all the protest bullshit. All the, oh, this is a creator's rights and Kirby got fucked and blur, blur, blur. Uh, and yes, you, we've talked about this on the show yep. before. How a lot of people, a lot of people are like pissed off that Jack Kirby and his family or Jack Kirby's family are not getting any proceeds from the movie because he created most of these characters and blah, 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 blah. And a lot of other people are bringing up the very good point that Kirby created them, but he did not he did not develop the modern incarnations of them. No. You know, that these characters as they appear in the movie are the work of m- many more creators than mm-hmm. just Kirby. And the thing that the thing that I thought of that that really kind of bothers me about this whole thing is that if you're going to bitch about a book if you're going to bitch about the creators not getting the proceeds from the characters that they created, mm-hmm. then why isn't anybody bitching about Kirby not getting proceeds from AVX? Or Stan Lee not getting proceeds from AVX, or mm-hmm. any of the you know, it's the same thing, right? Because it's there's, it's, a, there's it's, no buzz around comic books. Exactly, that's that's my problem. It's like everybody's focusing on the movie, um, and nobody out there is saying anything about oh, major comics events that sell hundreds of thousands of copies of books um, don't funnel any of that back to the creators all they're saying is the movie isn't isn't doing it and marvel is taking advantage of their creators rights and blah 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 and it's like it it, you either have to you either have to bring it all under the net or just ignore it because it's like you you it just seems petty when it's just the movie when people are like Mm -hmm. oh this movie is going to make millions of dollars and and if that's what your focus is is your focus is the amount of money not just the money period it seems disingenuous to me yeah but that's yeah, just they're, they're always going to have arguments about this you know it, it, in any kind of medium or sports sports is another one where these old time players used to get paid fifty dollars and like oh we had another job while we're and all these guys yeah. are getting paid millions now you know we need to get our back money it's like it's, no you don't right. need to get is, your yeah, back yeah, money yeah, because time has passed well yeah. and not to mention in that particular instance i wish those guys would realize that without that progression mm. these players would not be getting those mm. millions of dollars and that doesn't mean that they are entitled that just means that they're the ones who had to break their backs to make it possible yeah you know yeah, exactly and that that happens with yeah, everything on the planet like yep yeah you know and i understand like the whatever the thing the thing about marvel specifically in the big 2 is they're fucking work for hire. Like that's yeah, it's work for hire screws you. Yeah, it's the, work for hire. You are you are not entitled to the you are not entitled to the creator's rights of the works you create nope. when you're under a work for hire contract. Nope. The guy that did the Rolling Stones logo with the with the tongue, yeah, didn't see a penny of royalties off yeah. of that. Got I one flat that. fee at the beginning and then mm. kicked himself forever for doing work for hire because <laughs> it was you know it right. made so much money as a logo. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's recognizable all around the world. And it's getting even more um, insidious now, too, with especially with IP and, and the Internet and how easy it is for digital media, be it music or artwork or <coughs> writing, to be disseminated all over yeah. the world. You know, so in anything Honestly, that you... Honestly, I, I feel like it's less and less of an issue. Like It is, I think, because... Because Andy's not here, I will talk about Neil Gaiman for like 45 seconds. Um, he put his... <laughs> Uh, a couple of his books out for free online for like a week or so. And I think it, I, he may or may not have taken them back off again. I think he did, but 
even though he put like his new title up for free, all of his book sales jumped like yeah, okay. like over a hundred percent. Okay, so how long ago was this though? This was a this was a couple of years ago, okay. and that same tactic might not be as effective now. Or when he first started? No, it wasn't when he first started. Yeah, he had what, like fifteen published titles at the time. Exactly when if he first started and put his book on online for free, nobody would care. But now that he has, although somebody might pick it up, that's true. There's they a might. site called Red Lemonade where you can put your stuff out and people read it. Oh, there's a there's like a lot of stuff like that, that too. And there's a lot of people that would look at that, find those ideas, and and then make it their own. Like, wasn't there a Chew comic book that? That or an idea like Chew that came out later, yeah, after, yeah. There's, like that. Everybody's stealing everybody else's idea. Well, I think you just that, have to make it your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that uh, I, I think it's we live in in an awesome era for creators. That's not necessarily so good for the big big publishing houses, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm. Really, I don't think no. so either. I think I mean it's and it's been said before. I'm not the first person to say this, but it's it's. It seems to me that the best course of action for the big public, because old time publishing models just aren't going to be around for much longer. They just aren't going to work. No. So publishers, rather than being the controllers of the content that people see, need to be curators of it. Yes, right. They need well to be said. because there's a ton of shit out there, and it's always there's always going to be. Especially the the easier, the fewer barriers to entry there are, the more garbage there is going to be on the market. So the publishers are the ones that need to be able to sit down and sift through it and be like. This is this is the brand that we create for our publishing house, and these this is the content that we are curating for our readers. I mean, look at our right? like Archaea or Archaea. Archaea. Yeah. Like, I feel like they have a very solid brand. Yeah. Dark Horse has a solid brand. Mm-hmm. They're totally different. They're both independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's the same thing with the big, like the in, in traditional publishing too, with, with regular too. old books. Like, mm-hmm. y- you know, you have to you have to evolve, and mm-hmm. that's that that whole fucking stupid lawsuit with Amazon. You know that mm-hmm. that just got is getting settled, and it's like you don't need to have this iron grip on the prices of your content. You just need to make sure that your content is worth buying mm-hmm. you know and the the it's the same thing that we you know i got into a discussion with people because hulu now is trying to is right has this thing where they're going to do an authentication thing like hbo go where if you are using i think it's only for the free version of hulu i don't think it's hulu plus i'm not sure though yeah but they're saying that um in order to view content on hulu you have to be able to authenticate with a uh, a cable account you have to have cable service <laughs> which to and, me kind of defeats the point of freaking hulu and, and everybody on the planet is like if i if i had cable i wouldn't need fucking hulu yeah and yeah. the the problem with that is that is is again it's the cable companies and the content providers who are trying to keep this like iron grip on how mm-hmm. their content is distributed mm-hmm. when in actuality with hbo go specifically if i could just subscribe to hbo and only HBO, not cable. Mm-hmm. If I could just go into HBO Go, yeah. pay like 20 bucks a month or whatever for their content, and watch all the HBO content I want, I would do that in an instant. Yeah. yeah. In an instant. But, but they don't seem to get it through their thick skulls that the more barriers you put in front of people to get your content, the more justification for piracy you're creating. <laughs> yeah. You know? There was some... I mean, there's there was something that I was looking at today that was like people trying to... like download some it might have been game of thrones or it might have been some like foreign show before it was available in the states and like going through the process of trying to get it legally 
was such a pain in the butt mm. it was, that they're like fuck it oh it was it was game of thrones it was yeah it was the, it, it was, was yeah. the, the comment the the oatmeal comic yeah, about uh right. about game That's of thrones yeah. yeah yeah and then he's like i'm not so sure about downloading this toy oh it's so fast and easy yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but okay so if hbo said okay you can get it straight online then they're screwing their distributors that they have good relationships with right now like comcast and cox and all that kind I don't, of stuff uh, and if you start if you start messing with your distributors then you could be dropped altogether. Now, Joel, probably we don't need TV. We'll have augmented reality so we can watch TV <sighs> in our heads. Well, I don't think, but the thing is, is that I don't think that it, it, it's another industry that's in a transition period because of the way that the content is being presented, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think, it, I don't understand why the people providing the content, like the the actual distributors, seem to think that all of these different methods of distributing content need to be mutually exclusive, right? It, it like it is. We are coming to an age where the middleman is becoming less and less necessary. Yeah. Right. There, yeah. especially yep. when you've got situations where if you know you have an Apple TV, yeah. if HBO wants to create an app and just shit put their shit out there digitally by themselves without going through a fucking cable company, they can do that. And yeah. they can do it for relatively inexpensive. And they also have legal like, contra- contracts with those cable companies, too. Yeah. So, it, and it's it's one of those things where the medium is changing. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of like the, the printing press back in the Middle Ages. Everything is being escalated uh-huh. and to the point where you have to figure out what side you are are you going to be on the digital distribution side or are you going to be on the old kind where it's going to be over the airwaves and whatnot see and i don't think that like i said i don't think those things have i don't think you have to pick a side there i think there are certain people i think that the industry as a whole is going to remain about the same size yeah. but it's going to be split over several different distribution methods but you now can't, yeah but you can't cover them all and that's the one thing is these people had a control over all media and now they're starting to lose that control so they have to figure out where they're going and they're they're making veiled attempts or vain, vain I don't know vain attempts is what you're trying vain to say, attempts yes. at trying to hold on to this control but they they really can't anymore because yeah. it's moving too fast for them and they're just too big. Welcome to episode 28 of Media yes. Secrets Podcast, <laughs> where we discuss the future of digital publishing. You did say this was be an NPR episode, wasn't uh, it? Yes, oh, I did. Hey, the we're rumors, rumors of uh, my death like are it, greatly exaggerated. Oh, like NPR, we'll mention that we'll talk about the comic that we read in 18 hours. Stay tuned. <laughs> also, I'd like to point out that under what Joel's read, it says Conquest, Hawaiian Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I may be taking that out of context. Uh, yeah, Not let's talk really. about what we're reading fairly quickly because we've rambled on a lot about uh, other stuff. So uh, I'm reading Secret History of D.B. Cooper. Uh, it's a it's a little five-issue indie comic. It's on issue number two. It is completely out of left field. Like, uh, fucking D.B. Cooper is a, uh, a, a an assassin that infiltrates people's dreams for yes. the CIA and it's only kind of talking about what you know his whole escape via the plane it's right now it's leading up to that because he's like somebody's trying to assassinate him and he's like stealing it's it's fucked up it's like oh i don't it's it's completely fucked up he's like this weird uh mental assassin and when he's in the dream state he gets talked to by a um an angry teddy bear that's missing an ear and like, like you do create you know he mm. kills kill in in the dream state he he'll kill like this giant bulbous fucking monster with various orifices and then somebody's head will explode in russia and it's like happens yeah. to me all the time um 
And after okay. the after the Fear Agent episode, I've been reading Fear Agent. Like I'm on the I'm on the fifth trade now. I'm out of six, and it's kind of good. Um, it's really good, and I'm uh, uh, just following up on it because it's something that I I wanted to follow up on after I've had it forever. And now that the last trade is out, and I can read the whole story front to back. Okay. I'm, so when does it ooh, end? Six ends at six. Okay. Ended at issue thirty two, yeah. and then I might actually read it in sequential order. Issue eleven is not in the trades, and I I, I need to maybe. You know, everybody who knows Fear Agent is probably going, of course it's not, because it was something blah, 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 blah. I don't know why it's not in the trades, but I was looking through... It's the Christmas special. (laughs) Something, yeah. I was looking through the trades... (laughs) I was looking through the trades, and it's just like, uh, trade number two is issues... uh, It's like issues five through ten, and trade number three is twelve through sixteen. I'm like, what? So, anyway, that's what I'm reading. What are you reading, Joel? Uh, Annihilation Conquest. Meh. But um, the Guardians, <laughs> it, it really is meh. It's like, okay, I, I get it. You're in space. But um, <clears throat> but the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, are amazing. It's, it's like space dirty dozen. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. It, it's really good. And then Hawaiian Dick, meh. It's, I think of... Is it to go of, with that flashy Hawaiian shirt you're wearing it today? It is. I, I kind of was getting in the feeling, why don't I wear it? I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt right now. So Hawaiian dick it was pretty much if Scooby-Doo tried to be um, uh, a noir novel. It's it's horrible. I'm sorry. Andy had, Andy had <laughs> lent it to me because it's crime drama, It's crime drama, but it's... Just not good. I, I didn't like it. No. Split up, shake and that's it. And what have you been reading? I read on fairly opposite ends of the spectrum, Epileptic by David B., which is a French graphic novel um, from, he was part of like L'Association, I think, or whatever. Some group that I think was called like group or something in French of of trendy people. Um, Was was it kind of experimental? It was. It's really interesting. It has like really, it felt like a novel. It's got captions on almost every panel in terms of he's telling a narrative, but his art is really effective in expressing, like, it's all about his brother who has epilepsy and how that sort of wrecks their family, et cetera, et cetera. But he has, like, weirdly symbolic art that works well. Okay. Um, I also, again, other end of the spectrum, extremely, like, narrative and in the moment, I've read Richard Castle's Deadly Storm, which I, the, the thing that I particularly loved about this book, I liked it in general. I wanted to read it after we interviewed Kelly Sue because I was like, oh, Castle, right. I yeah. watch that. Um, is the kind of the meta aspect of it? It's got a forward by Richard Castle, and it's got like little yeah. excerpts in the back, the summarizing all of his books. Okay. Oh, okay. It's, so it, this is it, the, it, the show Castle. Yes. Yes. Okay. It is a graphic novel written by real comic book artists and writers, based on a novel that doesn't exist that was written by a fictional character. Fictional Nathan Fillion (coughs) wrote this novel that doesn't actually exist. That doesn't exist. Brian Michael Bendis and Kelly Sudaconic actually quote unquote adapted. Adapted. And they make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, no, it works it's very just nicely. a spy story, basically, yeah. and it's that's pretty cool. Right, because um, sometimes when you try to get a little too meta, you just miss it. It had the exact right amount of meta, okay. really. Yeah. Well, and they've been doing um, they've been doing novels like a bunch of the uh, the novels that Richard Castle talks about on the show. Mm-hmm. The ones, the Nikki Heat novels, mm-hmm. all actually exist. They've had ghost writers <laughs> write those novels for people to read outside that's marketing, that's epic awesome. fan fiction, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, it, it was interesting when the graphic novel for this one came out because they actually 
they actually talk about it like in the show. Yeah, Richard Castle's up. all excited. He comes into the he comes into the precinct all excited because he he managed to get a, a hold of the art galleys for his new graphic novel that Mar- Marvel's putting out based on one of his books. So he like shows off the actual cover to the gra- the graphic novel in the real world. It's it's really actually kind of cool the way they weave it all together. Okay. There will fall as me, your big feet, and you. From your ankle up, I say you sure as feet. From that down, you just too much feet. Your feet's too big. So, for the last two weeks, we have been reading uh, Footprints. It's a, it's a new graphic, well, it's, it was a four issue miniseries published by 215 Inc. Uh, that was collected into a trade just recently. It actually just came out uh, last week. Woo! Um, and it is uh, it's written by Joey Esposito, who is a uh, comic editor at IGN, and what, art was done by his, uh, Jonathan Moore. Um, it is a. Noir. It's a noir detective it, story oh yeah. where the characters are all uh, monst- famous, like uh, mythical monsters. Um, Such as the Jersey Devil, Bigfoot. Yeah, and Chupacabra. they had named what they what they're they're called because there is a name Cryptids. for them. Yes, Cryptids, exactly. I O nine. So. Uh, Anyways, this book. This book. Uh, for full disclosure's sake. This We're was gonna. a Kickstarter book, uh, and it the I don't believe the Kickstarter actually funded the creation of the book, but it did fund uh, advertising efforts and mm-hmm. it funded their um, push to get a publisher. Mm-hmm. So they um, and uh, full disclosure, I contributed to the Kickstarter because uh, it sounded that's cool. Why you know about that's it? That's why. That's why you'll find my wife and my name in the back of the book. Uh, nice. It's. Um, it was one of the more successful Kickstarters. They asked for nine thousand bucks, and they got it fairly, you know, fairly soon after. It was it was fifteen days or so after they started it. It's not double um, fine money, but you know, not everything. No, is. it doesn't need to be either. Nope. Um, they got picked up by Two Fifteen Inc. and uh, published. You can get the individual issues. Uh, the individual issues I didn't really see in stores much. Uh, I feel like you'd have to order but, them. But yeah, um, I uh, I guess the uh, I guess the trade is getting more circulation because of kind of word of mouth. Like I, Woo. for instance, uh, I ordered one through my store and then I talked to the store about it and they ordered extra copies, a few extra shelf copies. Uh, so, so kind um, of that noir. So, um, it's, it's, it was kind of cool. It's, it was interesting to see the, the process of an indie comic from kind of inception all the way through completion. Mm-hmm. Um, and to kind of be part of it, it was pretty cool. Um, I, I'm going to do my best to be as unbiased as possible in my opinions of, oh, of all grown talk up. about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what did you guys think about it? I mean, we, so the other full disclosure is that we were, we read a digital copy of it mm-hmm. because uh, Joey Esposito actually provided it to us mm-hmm. um, uh, for doing the show. So uh, what did, what did you guys think? Go ahead, Ann. So the, I thought the concept was really cute. Like, but in a lot of ways, it read like another any other noir story. Like it's an interesting uh-huh. noir story, but it's a noir story. It's hmm. just that everyone happens to be like Chupacabra and Joyzy Devil, who's so freaking the Joyzy, which I loved. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I thought the characterizations were really cute. I think they could have done slightly more with like bringing in the surreality of like yeah, like the critters. Like at some point, um, to spoil things. Uh, at some point, Nessie like seduces some character for information, oh, God. and like there, 
like it just shows a sauropod monster in lacy underwear and like <laughs> someone Garters saying that they had a really good time and i'm like monster. no 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 that's not enough yeah like i, I kind of felt that way in general about the book is that i the one thing that i felt was missing was more interaction between regular humanity and these monsters to kind of provide some sort of contrast you know, right. How like, do they like yeah. I wanted to know, how do they live? Like, okay, Bigfoot, he's just kind of like big and hairy. Like I, I could see him being fairly integrated into society. And but like Jersey Devil, he's got big old wings. It's kind of awkward. Yeah. Chupacabra doesn't choop. He doesn't really talk. Yeah. Like, how do they function? Well, it seems it seems to me by, by that time they'd already been integrated, like the novelty had worn off because yes. it was in the forties. And right? I wanted them to show that moment of the novelty wearing off. Like I wanted him yeah. to like, like the bit yeah. in the diner came close when mm. it, when like the, the waitress oh, was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Hey, I haven't had them in the choop special in, you know, however long. Yeah. Like that was that was good. I wanted more of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, totally. I think I think overall like I I I really liked the concept, uh, the the whole, you know, Yeti and Bigfoot are brothers, mm-hmm. and Yeti gets murdered, and that's what the inciting incident, the whole mm-hmm. thing that starts everything. And um, I thought that there were, uh, I like you said, I liked the characterizations a lot. Um, I thought that the uh, the Jersey Devil was one of the better ones, and Choop kind of being. He was kind of that in between. He was like a he was like a super intelligent dog, basically. Yeah. You know, and like he was really really smart for a dog, but still didn't really like like a smart version of Scooby Doo. Kind of, yeah, exactly. But he could do his own thing. You oh know? yeah, absolutely. But he just he couldn't just didn't speak. have language. Yeah, he didn't have any language. So does that make him less than human? Because it seems there was a great scene in it where he he finally finds the Jersey Devil. Right, and the Jersey Devil's like, "Hey, get me out!" And there's this scene where Chupacabra is looking back at the reader, and it kind of has a smirk on his face, mm-hmm. like, eh, <laughs> "Yeah, this guy again." Because the Jersey Devil is the your stereotypical Jersey guy. He, he has all the. He, hey, it's he's a the situation. Yeah. <laughs> oh well done. Yes, he is the situation. You know, he's he's one of those one of those Guidos, definitely. I I really liked it. It is it is noir, and it was a different take. Of of course, Bigfoot is dressed up in a trench coat, and he's got the fedora yeah. and everything. So it takes all those tropes, and it takes you through. Okay, these guys have. I I, I it's just a noir story. Um, now I got to tell you that before this I read Hawaiian Dick which was trying to be noir but like I said it's Scooby-Doo like at the ending of one of the books everybody hops into a car and drives away from the Italian mafia and the Irish mafia shooting at each other like whoa we gotta get out of here you know (laughs) not exactly a noir ending where this one had everything that you needed it had the the femme fatale you know Uh that everybody falls in love that he couldn't break his love for it he had the gang that something had happened had broken up and they Mm -hmm. finally get back to Together to solve this this problem and this back history that you go through as you go through the story, and eventually ends with this super secret project that was um, that needs to be blown out before the world is ended. Right? By I, that I, logic, I, is Watchmen noir? Thank you. I've always thought Watchmen was yes. kind of okay. noir because I was just going to say that it reminded me a lot of Watchmen. Yeah, and it kind of took me out of the whole thing because the, why? First of all, why I, you know, why never, in the Arctic? The the whole secret base was in the Arctic. That doesn't necessarily make sense for moth 
people. No, it doesn't. I would rather have had it like somewhere obscure in the deserts of the Southwest. Yeah, and they, they kind of said, Mexico. oh, okay, so it's causing global warming, but they don't really explain how moths can cause global warming. But there's the mysterious death where they're figuring out the clues, and then there's this secret dame that's kind of figuring out, and then there's a double double cross that happens at the end. But Which was lovely. Yeah, he finally you know redeems himself at the end. I thought... Um, um, I I think maybe the whole reason it appears in the Arctic, uh, maybe this is a little meta, but it's simply because it's it's Yeti, right? Like, oh, so that's where the thing the Yeti. thing. So what what okay. I thought about this, I thought about this when I was reading it, and it's like it's an interesting little meta point about Yeti in this book, where Yeti is not like. The mythical Yeti is the abominable snowman. Mm-hmm. He is typically always seen in the mountains, in the mm-hmm. snow, killing people in the Arctic, right? And in this instance, that's not what Yeti is. Like Yeti and Bigfoot are the same species, same race, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just they're just two big, you know, furry ape dudes. And Yeti's Arctic, uh, like Arcticness is solely because he's there following this lead, right? And that's kind of the... I kind of got the impression that him breaking off from the group and following this lead into the Arctic is what makes... It's what turned him into Abominable Snowman as opposed to just another Bigfoot, if that makes any sense. But he was already, I mean, acclimated to humanity, right? Yes, but... So he was Abominable Snowman beforehand, and then he's... He's, I guess he's reverting back to his natural state. Maybe. Uh, maybe. But it know. seems maybe. like those two grew up together, Bigfoot and Yeti. Yeah. And I kind of equated to one's blonde and one's a brunette. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know because there really wasn't that much snowiness about the Yeti. Right. Um, I did think it was, it was kind of cool because I know kind of about Mothman. I had to sit through that that um, Richard Gere movie. <laughs> terrible Richard Gere movie. Yeah, the terrible Richard Gere. But <laughs> oh, I love God. the fact that it was this bad luck dame. You know, so the, the ultimate, yeah. that's the one thing that's right. always annoying. The bad luck dame that's actually her supernatural problem is that she generates bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, once it got towards the end where he's like, you love me, you know, don't you always love me? I left you because of you. Is You don't really know if she's lying or just trying to say that to get Bigfoot on her side. Uh-huh. Or if if she really did that because she did love him. I don't think she really did love him. I think she was just using everybody. Well, I, I think I kind of bought it. It is. See, and that's the thing is that's one of the reasons why I actually really one of the parts of this book that I really liked was that scene mm. specifically because of the ambiguity of it mm. where mm-hmm. you are hearing you have reason to mistrust Mother Isa through this whole damn thing. Mm. And she may or may not be telling the truth, mm-hmm. but you just have to watch Bigfoot make his decision, right? Mm-hmm. And and it is ambiguous. You don't know. You don't know if she's telling the truth. He doesn't really know if she's telling the truth, but it doesn't really matter at that point because he has already just said, you know, I don't trust you. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually really liked that scene. I liked it because of the fact that there were questions. It's like, wow, should he have forgiven her? Should probably not yeah. because she's a fucking monster. And, and every guy has been in that situation where they had. There's this girl that <laughs> they're no? surrounded by moth people. I, <laughs> <laughs> 
exactly. And a big and a big ass shark. <laughs> no, but has been in that like are does she really love you or not? Is she really playing you, you know, for a fool just to get stuff from you or not? You know, can you really believe her? It's the whole I don't think that's I don't think that's a gender specific thing, I sir. I think either. it's very <laughs> uh, Okay, well I've been in that situation. Uh, yes. Uh, okay. I, I have Maybe as well. it's a relation they've always been in that relationship. There you go. There you where, go. Where oh I'm sorry, I'm more PC now. <laughs> Thank goodness. No, I'm just saying that it, guys have always been, and you don't know if you've been in that situation. I guess women have too. Of not have. knowing whether or not they can trust their partner? I would think yeah. so. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, we're all people. What? People who need oh, people. Paradigm broken. <laughs> Mind blown. Okay, but, um, and so that that was one of those, What? Continue. I'm just plain. I understand that. But it's one of those things where um, you've always been in those situations. And and I think that he did a really good job right there uh, explaining that whole situation yeah. between his brother, the the girl breaks them up. He doesn't really know if she was doing it because she wanted to, him to be happy or if she was really just being with the other brother. Yeah. yeah. Was she saving him from her bad luck or was she just playing him? Yeah, you never know. Um, so one thing to say, the whole Nessie thing, a little too weird. Okay, yeah, that, <laughs> and that's what unnecessary. That's, that's actually where I was unnecessary. Oh. Uh, one of the things that, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about actually because um, I... I didn't. I didn't like that part of the story either. Now, to, to preface, I have a feeling this is going to tipic start me into one of my typical nitpicky. Like these are the things I don't like about this book rants. Mm-hmm. But um, to preface that, I want to say that I actually overall I really liked the book. I thought yeah. it was fun. I um, thought it was. Fun I didn't too. think it was. I don't think it's going to. It's as deep as others, but it's it's a fun read. Mm. And anyway, um, can I talk about one reason why the Nessie thing kind of rubbed me the wrong way? Uh, it's brief. Okay, go ahead. I felt like the whole Nessie setup would have been served better by people in human-shaped bodies. And if you're writing for people in not human-shaped bodies, you should write for people in not human-shaped bodies. Yeah. Yes. I Thank think, you. I think um, it, was, it was an interestingly forced way to show the integration of humans and, and monsters. Right. But it was too forced and too awkward <laughs> where... I think it would have played, and you say human-shaped bodies, I also say the other way around. If she had been going and seducing other cryptids... That would have made sense. That would have worked in exactly. better, in my opinion. And it's this is it's not... It's weird, because it's like, now I sound like a, some kind of weird racist. What are you, fucking cryptids can't mix with humans? Or bullshit, if but, there was but, precedent, but right? Like, if there were posters exactly. for, like, kinky cryptid human porn, or or if the romantic, yeah, exactly. you know, like... Yeah. yeah. Thunderbird set, romances, set the, the, you know, <laughs> whatever. You I think the problem that I had with that scene wasn't even necessarily the the weird like sexual thing that happened with Nessie and as the much fact as that she's wearing more clothes than she was at any other time in the right? book. <laughs> as it's as much as as the scene where it all comes up feels just feels forced and weird like where she's talking to megalodon about it where the first thing where she's talking where she's even talking to foot about it right where yeah. they're like foot's like and nessie i need you to and she's like sleep with somebody for information and I they're like all the time and they're like I'm okay the token female on and the team I'm that's really, what we do and i'm really good at it and i i just, at yeah. some at some point i feel can't resist the that is tentacle porn oh yeah that is the one part where i feel like um 
I feel like that was trying to be a very tongue-in-cheek, like, ha-ha, <laughs> she's the chick that sleeps with everybody. Um, and I, she really was the chick that right, sleeps with everybody. But I... F- I honestly feel like it, it failed. Like the yeah. the the tongue and cheekness of it didn't come across strong yeah. enough to warrant the shit that came afterward. That made it just feel strangely sexist, a little bit weird, a little bit like just this this. I don't know. It was it was it was a little shock jockey to yeah, some degree. There was a lot of sexism like, in there too. The I Jersey think Devil. I did, uh, well, I, and that's his character. It's the th- it's yeah, it's. Yeah. When I feel like the character is being sexist versus when I feel like the writers are, and I didn't feel like the writers were for the most part, except the Nessie thing was awkward. I mean, it brought me out of my willing suspension yeah, it, of disbelief, exactly. and I was like, really, really. Okay, so before the whole sex scene and in, in the garters on the Loch Ness not monster, how does this look different than the shark? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the mask <sighs> on the shark. Don't get me started. But anyway, um, before that. Foot says that Ness can ch- she can change sizes, right? Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, so maybe oh, she's a say shapeshifter. That at some point, yeah, he said, oh, okay. so you got control over. I just that. thought so- it was like the Megalodon movie where the shark changes sizes and it's not on purpose. <laughs> I, I mean, I saw it happening throughout, and I was like, huh. Well, I think, and I think the there's thing- something for it. So I thought she was a shapeshifter. Okay. Yeah, I thought she could have shifted in, like into anything really beguiling and can seduce people, right? <laughs> well, so I think I think that no, yeah, I think the size changing still- thing is is them playing on the history of the. Loch Ness Monster in the real world. Yeah. Because there's always been that, like, some people have, how big is it? We don't know. And then Mm. some people have, you know, there's the one picture that makes it look like a dinosaur, and there's other people who's like, oh, we've seen it, and it's about the size of a whale, and there's other people who've seen it the size of a shark, and, like, it's... um, For for me, it wasn't a big part of the story, so it didn't really bug me that much. I mean, it was like, uh, you could have gone a better route with this, but okay, I'm willing to go with it. Yeah. It's not that big a thing. Maybe if you've gone with, like, Lady of the Lake... You know, that's yeah. another cryptid. There's a whole bunch of other things out there. More humanoid cryptids exactly. or something that would have made this or, seem... Or like a succubus, you know? That's, that's or, a classic humanoid cryptid. Yeah. Exactly. That's Their whole thing is to seduce people. That would have made more sense. When does it become more... So so the, that's a good question. That, and I don't know if maybe I'm just unqualified and don't know the answer, but when does it go from being a, like a cryptid myth like this to being a... Um, more of a just like a fantastical creature. Like it I seems like there has to be a definition, a, a definition, a line I there where like, it's like. I feel like all of the ones that were in this book were uniquely American. Yeah, honestly, I feel like well, Loch Ness monster. Yeah. Okay, Megalodon. except for her. So, but Megalodon's American. Jersey Devil's American. Yeti and Abominable Snowman are American. Uh, Yeti Yeti's not American. Yeti's Norwegian. Oh, like, no, Nepalese. But, what? Oh, Nepalese. Nepalese. You're right. You're right. You're okay. Right, right. And so that's the thing. Is like I. Th- mm. I think. I think. Diff- oh. Here's what I think. Of, uh, I think they're more modern than most yeah. like like things like and succubi and homunculi and, and lots there like, are not myths are, written right. in the middle ages about any Thank of these you. critters yes. yes like that's and that's the thing where i'm like where, where is the definition is it just that is it just the the um is it just the age right is it just or the era in which they were popular like dragons yeah. at one point in time were were the cryptids of the you know middle but, ages england but, but they were talking about when they did finally come out and had their powers a little bit after World War II or something yeah. like that. They took down a unicorn and a basilisk. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Talking about that. It seemed yeah. like they're sort of the new guard against the old guard almost. Mm, yeah. Okay. Exactly. 
<laughs> so, um, much like Watchmen, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. I never really made that connection until you mentioned it. But yeah. there is, um, I I don't know if like story wise it is, but in the in the kind of feel of it, I I, I can see I can see what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really catch that while I was reading it. Like I didn't think, oh, this the feels Arctic like Watchmen. Really to me. did it for me. The whole Arctic. Oh. I don't know why that it was like this is kind of Watchmen, and then when they're the Arctic facility that they were going for for the final climatic hmm. ending, I was like, oh, this is kind of like Watchmen. And I guess I wasn't too far off because no, got I, it too. I got okay. that too. Right. Although more from the sort of old team reuniting thing. Now, don't get me wrong. Love this story. I I, I love Chupacabra because yeah, Chup oh, yeah. is Chup's yeah. one of the better characters yeah, in the book. Sure. Exactly because even though he wasn't able to speak, he was through his actions everything you. You realize he's that he's expressive. a valuable. He's very special. He's very valuable to the to the team, and he's you know he he does stuff as opposed to Megalodon, which I don't really know. Why I wanted him to do him. more. I didn't like and the the physics of him were awkward. Yeah, because he had to be in water, and I kind of got that. Yes, there's this like random tank that somehow he's teleported into. Yeah, I did not get. Mm. I did not get the Megalodon part of the story at all, other than to be a love interest slash foil for for Nessie. Yeah, I didn't get like I, he was I a double his... cross character, but like why the. <clears throat> mm, yeah, it, it, every every super group has to have the water giant aquatic shark. guy, and that's that's Aquaman, fine. Like Namor, it it got awkward for me with the um, like you said, the tank. Now, yeah. now that being said, it, and this wasn't portrayed very well in the comic book, but I did. I finally kind of got it later. Um, the I don't think it was a tank as much as it was like their base was at the base of a bridge. Okay. So, so I like feel like it's, something. yeah, I feel like it's like their base, their base is underground under a bridge and that's a window onto the river that the bridge crosses. So uh, he, he's like able to come into it. Um, but the, the Megalodon character just kind of, I mean, I wanted him to be a little clearer because sometimes he yeah. had kind of this like chivalrous thing going on and I kind of love the idea of Megalodon being like weirdly chivalrous despite yeah. the fact that he's a giant fucking The crazy shark. British accent. Right, you know, right. Yeah. But I, I felt like that was... There were a few scenes where that wasn't there when I wanted it to be there really badly. Like the yeah. whole scene between he, him and Nessie where he's mad at her for like going off and being a <laughs> prostitute because apparently that's her job on the team. Decades. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like he had a lot of potential that was untapped. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. And um, it's, the, the, I don't know, there was just something very strange about his his whole role in this. It was like, um, I, I kind of got that his point was that at, at a certain point he just got fed up with Nessie and decided, you know, fuck these people. Mm-hmm. And that was his, his, his kind of double cross moment mm-hmm. and then he redeems himself at the end. I feel almost feel like it would have played better had that moment happened way earlier in the series mm. if megalodon had had his falling out with nessie in like the first issue yeah. and then been gone for a good portion of yeah. the comic okay. and uh, and then appears at the end um they think he's a bad guy he sees nessie turns out you know turns on his and he double double crosses and turns on turns on the bad guys and then does his thing redeems himself yeah. um i think it's just yeah i don't know there was something awkward about that character okay, so can i address the megalodon in the room so to speak oh how do you get a megalodon into the arctic in the first place under oh, okay. the ice thunderbird I, carried him no oh 
what? <laughs> I'm <making general laughs> what? Okay. Well, that that makes sense. Yeah, the Thunderbird. Right. There's there's water thing. under the ice in the ice yes, caps. That's that's true. Really but I, fast. But I think they were in a in a part of the world. There was a mountain, all that kind of stuff, and he was in a tank. There was a helicopter. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. There we go. Thank you. It was a helicopter. Uh, a Megalodon helicopter. Yes. Again, mm. physics were kind of a weak point with Megalodon. <laughs> but then they traditionally always have been. Uh, yeah. And of course, I'm thinking about this uh, with a story with Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, Jersey Devil. And yeah, uh, right. Well, mm. don't think too hard on this. Uh, it, well, I, I really I really did like the unfold of the mystery itself and the, the fact that they had the evil scientist who lived for a long time and mm-hmm. went against that and how they unraveled the whole story. I love that. It was really, really good. I, I love that. Um, I thought the structure was solid. There were, there were points mm-hmm. I felt like it was almost too straightforward, um, which is not necessarily a, a, it's not a bad thing for the story. No. Um, but the problem that, I, that that generates for me is that I feel like um, there was a point in the story where you're not, you're no longer playing with your hook, which is the whole, they're all monsters. It became like the, the mystery and the way it played out became almost a little pedestrian for the, mm. the, 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 the characters that were playing it out, which it wasn't really bad. Like, I'm not going to say that it was like it ruined the story or that it was too simple or something like that because it, it actually, like you said, it, it unfolded fairly well in yeah. the whole, the, the, the guy doing experiments on them and supposedly trying to help them when all he was actually doing was like drinking their blood to keep himself alive. That wasn't um, really well explained, but okay. Uh, basically. Um, but it, it, it was, uh, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed the way it played out too. I just was, I guess I was expecting more. I was expecting, this is, is kind of stupid. I was expecting a twist that didn't really happen mm. because mm. they kind of figure out that it's, that it's mother Issa fairly early. Like, yeah, it's just true. like, it's just like, yeah. it's like, Oh, she's still alive, but well, she's the bad guy. Yeah. And then turns out, yep, she is the bad guy. And I, kind of I think the twist the was supposed too. to be like, Oh, and she's actually breeding how an army. She's the bad guy. Yeah. yeah that's true. That's true. Um, we've talked a lot about the writing. I want to touch on the art a little bit before we stop. Um, I, uh, I'm torn about the art in this book. I'm not. Um, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let me, uh, l- l- let me talk for a second and then you can go. Um, the thing that makes me really torn about the art is that uh, in the back of the book, they have a process page, right? Yeah, where they're like, cool. where they're like, here's the thumbnails and then here's the, f- here's the, pencils and then here's the inks and then here's the washes to do the great great tones and that like the problem that i had with the art all through the book is that it because there's so many spots where it's very muddled Mm. where it just like you can't expressions are muddled actions are muddled you Mm -hmm. can't kind of tell what's going on and it's it's a combination for me of partially the line work being very very sketchy right and uh very um scratchy i guess would be the term for it in some cases it's necessary like when you're depicting foot and you're depicting a big hairy monster that's fine but um the washes almost destroy it for me though i there's feel like it's an inking washing issue there's primarily. so much gray mm-hmm. and the gray muddles everything and it it's just not 
I just it's a shame and the reason why I said, the reason why I bring this up is because of that process thing at the end mm. they show an inked page that has not been washed and all I could think of from that point forward was god I wish it all looked like yeah. this so they just needed to up the contrast majorly yeah. yes majorly up the contrast just take a lot of that gray tone out and portray the contrast with just line work I think that would have made it look even more noir actually I think it would have too um I it's it's um I just I don't know. There was just something about the way that worked. Like those, the kind of the way he did the washes and stuff, I feel like would have worked better in a color book. Like if those mm, were actual yeah. colors, it would have looked more like, uh, like Sean Phillips stuff for criminal. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and but when it was in those the, are rough choices to make as a creator. Absolutely. Like, no, I, I understand why they kept with black and white. I just think that the gray tones in this just totally, unfortunately they they actually mar what Mm. is otherwise fairly decent line work yeah um there are part now that now don't get me wrong there are parts in this book where the line work uh is clearly rushed um there are pages that just look nearly unfinished um which is really a shame uh when it counts it looks pretty good with the exception of the washes the line work looks pretty good um i i like i like jonathan moore's style overall when he focuses and kind of gets down to this you know when he's really focused on making on rendering it properly like the stuff looks really good Mm -hmm. uh if he just gets rid of the I'm just harping on it. Get rid of the fucking gray tones. It's just <laughs> awful. No, you, check, check. Do you think maybe the Arctic was a design choice? Maybe like uh, we got to get this done quickly. We can't have it in the forest. Let's do it in the Arctic. That's real easy, right? No, I don't I think, think so. that was on purpose. Yeah, Arctic layers. You know, their thing. Uh, yeah, that's true. My my problem. I yes, the the gray tones is kind of muddied. It's ticks, took a little bit to get used to because everything is very dreary. I can understand right. that's kind of noirish. You know, dreary, sure. muddy, and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, where you have the, the climatic battle, I had no idea what the hell was going on. This, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, this, we've walked into this cave. A, a cave of what? Yeah, I, the I scenes where you're supposed what, to be seeing the cocoons of the yeah. moth, you cannot, I cannot fucking tell what's going when, on there. When the, when the moth guys were flying around, I yeah. don't know if they were just... The fight with the actual Mothmen is what one of the scenes where I'm talking about that looks it looks it looks like layouts. It doesn't look like yeah. finished artwork. Yeah, mm. exactly. Too um, couldn't tell what was going on. A lot of the faces uh, weren't even finished, and and the whole time where Megalodon kind of saves everybody, I I had to look at that seven or eight times to figure out oh, what the hell just happened. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going, and you see a tail going into the wall, but. I, I have no idea. It what took happened. me a while to figure yeah. out what yeah. happened there. Did he like jump through the wall? I, I think still don't know. I get that impression. I, I really I, don't. Here's what I think happened, and I again, <laughs> I looking me. at the artwork, I I can't really tell. Clarity question. The there was the hole in the wall through which all the moth people were coming out of the cave. Okay. Megalodon. That was in the room where Megalodon's tank was mm. and i think that's exactly what happened like the moth people were coming through and in order to stop them he jumped out of his tank and into the hole so in the wall he was like, like a little cork yeah kind of i don't think he corked it i think he uh, just like he went through it went through it and thrashed around until a bunch of moth people died or something i don't know okay but if you have to explain that in to somebody in sequential art you've kind of failed yeah it, it was it was pretty muddled at the end and it's yeah. a, and i really hate <laughs> I feel I've I hate saying that because I like what's funny is that the first two and a half issues the the art is um much 
much better rendered i think mm-hmm. in, than the end mm-hmm. um i still have a problem with the gray tones but the the art like you can tell that it's it, it's finished and he took mm-hmm. time and it definitely feels like he got rushed at the end and just went oh god i gotta get this done and mm-hmm. like pushed it out there and i'm i'm i don't doubt that um as much of a labor of love as this was for Joey Esposito and Jonathan Moore, I don't doubt that they're probably not making a whole lot off of it, Maybe if like, much at all. I would and and I've got to under I've got to assume at some point that Jonathan Moore is like I need to focus on art that makes me money, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to this love of this project. You know, this project that I'm really enjoying and I really want to get out there, but it's not going to make me much. And uh, now I'm also I've also combined with you know having a debt I, I have a project that's not going to make me money that also has a deadline uh, i just got to get this done. i understand and, especially and as a comics creator a yeah fuzzy and scented mothmen an army of mothmen what did Let's i get make myself it fuzzy. into <laughs> yeah right now i i do have to say the ending is fucking brilliant i loved it how how he dealt oh, with yeah. Moth, Moth Risa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he, yeah. That was great. That whole, that whole scene there was like, oh, you really do love me. And, you know, like, it's yep. been some time. time. I liked that too. Yeah. I, I love that. I've never seen that before, how it was dealt with, you know, in that one last fatal kiss. And it's like, well, I was, I was staying here for a reason. You yeah. Know, it's like, oh, got you. <laughs> Froze her you know? wings to the ground. Yeah, and, yeah. Exactly. And he was like, oh, yeah, she really is a moth. I feel like I would be really happy to see a sequel of this that's like crossing over with the Japanese cast of Latter-day Monsters, like Godzilla and Mothra <laughs> and Gamera. Godzilla would be amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, That'd be pretty cool. I kind of want to see a sequel to this where uh, Mother Issa comes back and has had torn her own wings off to, like, to escape, right? Yeah, like, Lucifer style. Dang. Um, but sequel's still there. Yeah, and there's plenty of there's plenty of opening. I mean, they, they oh, yeah. clearly leave it open for more stories if they ever get around to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we can always hope that they do, you know, yeah. because there's plenty of other cryptids and monsters that they can bring into the story. And, I think it's um, a, overall, it's really fun. It, it is really fun. It's mm-hmm. doing a different thing than other like cryptid series are doing, like Proof, which I like. I've only read one trade of it. I like what I've read so far, but it's doing a different thing. It doesn't have uh-huh. like the integrated monsters in society. It has like the happy monster preserve controlled by the CIA type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it could have gone the Fables route too. Yeah. Which it didn't. Which again, yeah. that that's sort of like an isolationist community mm-hmm. in Fables. And this yeah. is just like, hey, what's up? I'm the Joycey Devil. Like, you eat a yeah. bag of dicks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well done. So then uh, I guess, you know, I, we've we've talked about this for half an hour and I mm. guess we'll go on to uh, Buy, Borrow, and Burn. I'm torn. I almost want to say bye just because it it this is a, like a directly support people who are cool and will make cooler stuff if you yes. buy their stuff stuff. So politically buy and otherwise <laughs> borrow. It's funny because I was actually going to say almost the same thing. Like yeah. I, clearly I I'm on the buy camp because I, you know, contributed you, to their Kickstarter did. and and uh but from the perspective, if if I were looking at it from completely objective perspective of of you know a comics, just somebody who likes comics, I would say borrow, only because it's I don't think it has it, it might not have the widest appeal out there. It's it's going to appeal to a lot of the same guys mm-hmm. that read things like like Criminal, yeah, um, like me. But um, 
and the monster aspect might draw in some more. I feel like that would draw quite a lot of people in. Yeah. People that might not even like noir would probably mm-hmm. be like, Bigfoot, yay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I, this is the first time I, I, I don't, I do not have a solid, like, one note answer where I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, a big part of me is borrow, um, but in order to supre- su- support indie creators that are making cool shit that, uh, and supporting them directly, I say buy. Mm-hmm. So Bayaro, and it's kind of like a lemon green flavor. There you go. Sure. Color. You know, I'm I'm the exact same way. Too. <laughs> I it's not it's not good enough to buy. Honestly, the the ending if the ending was a little less sloppy, um, I would say buy because I like the story. But it's definitely a borrow. But I want to support this kind of event. First, it's Kickstarter. It's it's independent, and it's everything where. You want to support this kind of publishing, yeah. You know, well, and so, so I, I would say I would say buy it on one hand, but it's kind of messy, so I would borrow it. It's also cheap. It's, it's twelve a, bucks. It's twelve bucks. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's a solid buy yeah. uh, So <laughs> that is one of the things that I do want to say too is that there are plenty of really shitty indie books mm-hmm. being kickstarted and being published out there. Oh yes, and. Somebody once made a, uh, I don't remember who said this to me, but we were having a conversation about indie comics in general, right? Mm-hmm. And indie publishing. And the, the, the thing that has always stuck with me is this person said, you know, you know what will really blow the lid off of indie publishing? Quality. Mm-hmm. And yeah. mm-hmm. like if you just, you know, you get a concerted effort toward actually creating quality stuff instead of just pumping stuff out there because, quote unquote, it's indie. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's when they'll there will be a hell of a lot more of a surge of indie publishing, and this is one of the books I think that falls in that upper category yeah. where it's it's quality enough that um, that I've I feel very comfortable having supported it, and mm-hmm. I think that it's um, it's worth supporting these kinds of projects to uh, engender more of them. Oh, your feet's too big. Don't want you cause your feet's too big. So we completely forgot to talk about how you can get this book, so we'll do that uh, in this segment instead. Uh, it is available right now. So you can get, I, as far as I can tell, you can get the single issues on, on 215 Inc.'s website. Um, and you and can, they're beefy single issues, too. That's yeah. one thing that I was surprised with. They're the 30, pages. 30 some pages on yeah. each. So yeah, it's pretty beefy. And you can the trade came out last week. Uh, I don't know how wide the distribution is. They went through. Um, they they were in previews, so I have to assume that they went through Diamond for that. Um, the uh, so if you can get it, it's in a soft cover trade for eleven ninety nine. I think that's a great price for the amount of content that you get. Oh, yeah. Like it's uh, it's pretty decent. Um, the one thing I wanted to bring up about this, though, is when I was looking online, I, I actually had to ask, because I um, I didn't have previews in front of me, I don't have the actual trade in hand, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's sitting in my shelf at my comic shop right now. Um, I could not find the price of this thing online anywhere, like mm-hmm. which is a little of a problem because I went to 215 Inc.'s website and... and um, 215 Inc. has some pretty good books. Like Vic Boone, they do Vic Boone, which is a pretty, you know, pretty decent book. They've got a couple other like crime noir type things. 
Their website is terrible. Aww. It's really awful, especially the shop where you buy stuff. There's no there's no discernible order to things. The, there's no real good, like, you can't really find good information. Like, they have no information at all about the trade paperback for this comic on their website, wow. which is really strange like when you go into um when you go into the footprints page yeah it lists all it has the the description of the comic and then it lists the four individual issues and says release tbd on all of them yeah. the fucking trade huh. is out the, the individual issues update. have already been out and the trade is out and they're still released tbd update your you, website you guys go, yeah you go into the shop and the trade is, and the individual issues are are like they're available for sale mm-hmm. for 2.99 each but you can't really like figuring out how to fucking buy them and figuring out where to finding all of them like you can't just go click on footprints and see all four issues in the trade of footprints to buy them that's what you should be able to do yeah. um yeah and i and i kind of chuckled just because that will kill anything quicker than than anything oh yes anything is savvy marketing if you don't have savvy marketing or if you make if it easy really to good, buy stuff yeah exactly it's not even savvy yeah. marketing it's just an organized website mm-hmm. you know it's 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 not even like a this isn't marketing 101 this is organization like yeah. it, it would be like walking into a comic shop and having having all the books out of order with no alphabetical order and no no placement for so anything right it's like then. yeah right um and, and it was it's a little aggravating to see for for a company that is supporting these kinds of indie works for their website to not uh to not back that up you know, it's um, and I'm hoping maybe they'll pull their heads out and, and, you know, get something going on their website so that these creators that are going through them can actually get the support they deserve. Um, but uh, I like um, I like the books they do. I really want to see them fix their website. It's yeah. aggravating. So. All right. Um, so we'll wrap this up with a uh, little info. I um as as everyone knows, I am not dead. I did not die on a toilet, um, and that is that is. Uh, but apparently, that was the last straw. Uh, yeah, it was the last straw. No, it, it was it was good. It was good that we had our little temporal anomaly because being able to hear episode twenty seven a year ago uh, and find out that I had died, I was able to. Uh, I I went into that bathroom with that issue that. Uh, crappy fucking issue of Doc Savage and uh, rather than reading it I used it as toilet paper and then I flushed it down the toilet so um, I don't know what kind of dimensional rift I have caused by preventing my own death but Eh, uh, no when all the cryptids start coming through (laughs) yeah right Um, but maybe this is the way it was always supposed to be you know so uh, that being said, I am taking a hiatus from the show for a while. Uh, Andy is going to take over uh, as long as he actually shows up to the show. You know, um, so Andy is going to be the host of After the Fact for a while. I I don't know if there's going to be a replacement for me or if it'll go three three people for a while. I have no idea. I'm going to focus for a while. I'm going to focus on After the Fact and getting that uh, taken care of and. Um, and so on and so forth. And Andy's going to take over trade secrets and doing all of the organization and website maintenance and yeah. editing. Yeah, and after the fact, uh, yeah, <laughs> spend and some Andy time. Uh, I'm gonna. Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff on my plate, Wait, and so I'm. God. I'm not Andy. I know. I, I keep on getting you two mixed up. Yeah, white boys. Uh, so anyway, I'll, I will be off the show probably for four or five episodes uh, while I take a little hiatus. But I will be back. Um, Andy will remain the host of after the or of trade secrets going forward for the foreseeable future. Uh, this is going to be his show for a while. 
Um, oh, God. So but since he's not here, we picked what comic is next. Yes. Uh, so on the next show, which I won't be on, uh, you guys are doing Lucifer. Trade paperback one, Devil in the Gateway. Uh, yeah. This is, was it, was it actually, it was written by jo- Mike, Jim, Carey. Mike Carey, who does Unwritten. Yes, uh, and so. occasionally the same artist draws some of it that uh, draws on written. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but he has a variety of Peter people. Peter Gross, that, yeah, Peter Gross. But he has a variety of people that come through. I can't remember who's done. Yeah, it was a uh, yeah. This one is it's not one artist. Like, no, I looked it's through. Several. It's like several different artists who do it, but which um, is similar in format to Sandman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is an off a spinoff, if you will, of Sandman, but okay. it certainly holds its own water. And well, and I don't think Andy will have as big a problem with it because it's not actually written by Gaiman. And Mike um, Carey does tend to use more action and less words. Yeah, I, I like I like Mike Carey. I like writing Mike Carey's style. writing a lot. So, um, will I go to hell reading this? Yes, you're already oh, going God. to hell anyway. So, what difference Damn does it make? Um. So anyway, the uh, next episode, episode twenty eight, will be or twenty nine will what? be Lucifer. Uh, did you guys have anything you wanted to touch on before we wrap up the rest of the show? I think we talked about everything. I've done ever. all the touching I wanted. Cool. Oh We've... wait, I do. Oh God. Oh my God. Dear. I'm so excited about this. I saw pencils that Ben Horak did for my ridiculous fairy tale retelling comic, and yeah. I've never been so excited and so embarrassed that I've created something in my life. It's fantastic. There's jokes about prison sex. It's amazing. Well, let's post them to the so, website. So they're they're not actually wooden huh? pencils. Pencils. Pencils that are in blue. He's he's on. her drawer. He's my drawer. So, oh, okay. For a comic that I write. Put that in Simonese. Thank <laughs> okay. Awesome. That's great. So it's like it's about sixteen pages long, and I'm gonna publish it as a as a mini with hopefully with really attractive silk screened oh. covers, and I I'll probably put it online too because apparently that's the wave of the future. Also, I really liked the issue thing that we read this comic on. I think I might publish it with that. I so. Beware of one thing. Uh, this is something I brought up with with uh, Joey Esposito actually when I read through this comic mm-hmm. um, issue um, does not pay did not with at least with the footprints trade did not pay attention appropriately to page breaks and where they landed because there were there was a two page spread that got split oh. that you cannot view as a two page spread no matter what you do. Oh, that's unfortunate. And that's. Um, problematic yeah like that i'll keep that in mind uh so keep that in mind but yeah uh you could you could think about doing through comiXology as well like they have publishing they have pretty robust publishing tools and i think they have a distribution agreement similar to most like ebook things where you get like if you do it on your own and you have all of it yourself you get like 70 percent or something like that so it's like yeah it's worth checking out anyway hopefully soon there will be really really ridiculous Grim fairy tale retelling. Yeah, and, and I could say I knew you win. Yeah, there you awesome. Go. Another. Person. Yeah, once she dumps us and doesn't doesn't want to no. talk to us anymore. Yeah, yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. Uh, you can rate us on iTunes. It helps us get more listeners if we have more ratings and reviews up there. Uh, you can review us on Zoom. Go to social.zoom.net and search for the show. Log into the marketplace and re- leave us a review. You can follow us all on Twitter. The main show feed is at Trade Secrets Pod, where we post our show announcements and information about when we're when we're recording and such. Uh, my individual Twitter is at Geek Elite. Andy is at Mathtastrophe. Uh, Joel is at Superfly, S-O-O-P-E-R-P-H-L-Y. Anne is at Anne Bean Tweets. Um, you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trade secrets podcast. Um, and if you want to be a part of the show, you want to send us questions or comments or answer raves and bitch about bitch about us, uh, you know, 
tell us we're idiots, then you can feel free to do so by emailing us at tradesecrets at geekerific.com. And you can uh, also hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or any of those portals to, to get your points across. We will use stuff on the show. We always do. Uh, this has been episode 28 of, Af- of After the Fact. Jesus Christ. Two fucking years and I'm still doing it. This is this is why I'm not going to be on two know, shows at a time you anymore. Need to separate the two. Yes. This has been episode 28 of Trade Secrets. Yep. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. I am Luke, and I'm out for a long time.